All glory and praise. First Samuel 25. I'm going to be speaking a sermon that I consider one of the ten most important sermons I have ever or will ever preach. At the end of the sermon, you'll be the judge. Many of you maybe not even vote for it, but I'm going to vote for it. And from my perspective, it's, you know, I know that I, I, I believe God has used me to speak some inspirational messages, and I like to get inspirational and jump around and shout and yell. But I believe this, is a, this sermon here is quite an educational sermon. If you've ever been involved in AANA or Hey Hey, uh, and if you go to this church, you've been involved in Hey Hey, uh, that's me. This will, should grab your attention. First Samuel 25, verses 2 and 3, but you've got to keep your Bibles open to First Samuel 25. We're going to cover quite a bit of portion of Scripture found in this chapter of 1 Samuel. It says there in 1 Samuel 25, verse 2, A certain man in Moan, who had property there at Carmel, was what? Very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. <clears throat> his name was Nabal. And his wife's name was what? Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But her husband, a Calebite, was surly and mean in his dealings. Father, I pray that you deal with us in grace, in knowledge, and by your spirit. Enable us, Lord God, to really, really glean today from this message, Lord God. I pray for the women. We're dealing with the women here today. You've brought the women you want to speak to, Lord God, here today. But as I told my wife last night, Lord God, I was taken by this sermon as well. Knowing, Lord God, that this function affects every member of the family, man, woman, and child. At the end of the sermon, Lord God, we're going to be breaking curses. We're be coming against the curse of dysfunction. Enable us, Lord God, not to take notes, if not necessarily with our pens, but with our minds. I honor you and bless you in your name. And everybody together said, and greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. I've entitled it, this sermon, and I've spoken it many years before, and I put it out there in the marquee, I Need Needs. I like that title. I need needs. Got any needs? Hey, Holmes, who's holding? I want to buy a few needs. I wanted to title it the original Dear Abby, though. Okay, as well. The OG Dear Abby. Ever read Dear Abby? That lady's got more problems than, wow. Uh, Carter's got liver pills, like they say, huh? But most of them are not her own. But then I wonder. I wonder if they're her own too. I wonder what kind of life she lives. Uh, and as you study this sermon here today, you're going to find out that dear Abby must have some big problems of her own. Okay? Now, we're going to look at codependency through the life, okay, okay of, of one of David's wives. In the life and through the life of one of his wives, Abigail. But the story doesn't begin with Abigail and David, okay? But it begins rather with Abigail and her first husband, Nabal. Nabal was her first husband and probably 
the individual who really, really got Dear Abby going and soaring on codependency. Are you with me? Don't lose me. Don't stay with me here today. Okay. She was a heavy codependent. But I believe her first husband, Nabal, was the one that really got her off into codependency. Okay. Now, have you ever looked at a couple and you say to yourself, how in the world did these two hook it up? You're going to say that after the sermon. Night, day, day, night, you know. How do they hook it up? Ah, yeah, Can't they know you're this? Oh, Jesus, huh? Many of us have said that. See, well, the Bible says your neighbor had money and he had a lot of fame. And sometimes that can attract attractive women. But any wannabe psychiatrist can tell you there has to be more than just that. For a smart, attractive woman to hook it up with a nut like Nabal. There has to be more to it. You know, oh, he's got money. He's got wealth. He's got fame. Wow, he's charismatic. And in the beginning, when you have a guy that's got money and, 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 and fame and charisma, even if he's ugly, there's just something about women getting drawn to that guy. There is. I, I see some of these guys, and if you see them walking down the street on a normal day, whatever, they're just... But then you, you see them in, in their niche, in their power spot, and all of a sudden, oh, no wonder he's got her. No wonder she's with him. The guy's got a bit of charisma. Ugly, but hey, you can see through that. Uh, it goes from there, yeah, right here to the pocketbook. Oh, I see. Uh, chapter 25, look at verse 5. We're going to cover quite a bit of portion of Scripture. Then we're going to jump down to verse 10. Do you have it? Praise God, I should have got me my glasses here. It says there, so, begin reading in verse 4. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Jump down to verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? Stay with me now. From who knows where? We're going to read all the way to verse 17. David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they got on their swords, and David put on his. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants said, told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give out, give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were in the fields near, near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us all the time and were herding the sheep near them. 
Now think it over and see what you can do. Because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. They found my glasses. All right. Here in this account in 1 Samuel 25, verses 10 through 17, David, Nabal, and Abigail, okay, in this part of the scripture, we see that a Abigail was a classic codependent. As you read between the wide lines, all right? Not the thin lines. She's a classic codependent individual. When we take a quick glance at the marriage of Abigail and Nabal, they seem to be two nice couples. They seem to be, okay? He's a very wealthy individual, and she, she has looks and books because she's beautiful and she's intelligent. She's smart and she's beautiful. So she has looks and she has books. But yet, we should all know that wealth, intelligence, and success, and beauty does not necessarily make for a happy life. Are you with me? Just because you have all these things, uh, intelligence, and wealth, and uh, beauty, and, you know, and all these, it doesn't make for a happy life. Not at all. All marriages need to be continually worked upon and, you know, receiving, doing things. Now, we're going to see today that as we study the life of this original Dear Abby, that Abigail had a funny way of hooking it up with some rather foolish and out-of-line characters. Uh, ever seen women like that? Yes, you have. Uh, they, have, they have a way of hooking it up with some funny, funny, odd kind of characters. Now, in the story we're covering here, we see that David, okay, is uh, living a life sort of like an a, a old-time, and I've preached on David a lot, he's like an old-time Robin Hood. Remember, he would rob from the... Uh, rich and give to the poor. He, he, would, he would move for God. And he was like an old OG Robin Hood. See, what David was doing here in this portion of Scripture, in order for him to survive and to supply his men, okay, his band of 600 men, he was having farmers and other, and other people pay him for his protection. Uh, that's, that's what he was doing. But hey, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. He's out, he's, uh, he's a renegade, he's out, you know, uh, running around, he doesn't have a place of his own. So what he's, he's doing is he's protecting other farmers. He's protecting their fields. But he's taxing them. Uh, he's, he's saying, hey, come on, I'm, I'm taking good care of you, look it. I build a wall all around, nobody can get to you. But, but give me, kick down, bro. That's what he's doing. See, Nabal's business was one of David's, you know, he had him on the list, so to speak. He was protecting Nabal as well. And by the looks of things, David was a rather kind protector, as I've mentioned earlier. The Bible mentions later as well. Because when one of his servants goes to, to Abigail to tell her the incident regarding her husband's Nabal and David's men, when she, uh, he goes to tell her the story. The servant speaks very highly of David's men. Are you with me? Speaks very highly of his men. They're protecting us, and they're taking a little bit, but it's worth it, Nabal. Uh, nobody's getting around us. It's, it's okay. They're worth paying the taxes for. They protect us. Ah, uh, we got to kick them down, Nabal. But Nabal tells them where to go and where to get off. Are you with me? And right away, the servant knew that Nabal and his family would be the ones going there, not David. Mm. Understand what I said there? He, Nabal tells them where to go and where to get off, but the servant says, ay, ay, ay. There's my boss again. 
It's not going to be David that's going to go there. It's not going to be David that's going to be getting off there. It's going to be Nabal. Nabal can't fight against David's men. They're trained. They're ambidextrous. They run like gazelle, the Bible says. These guys are bad. They got it going on. They can throw the spear with their right hand their left hand. We don't, we, don't, we don't got a prayer against these guys. See, now the fact that the servant, listen to this. The fact that the servant goes to Abigail says a lot regarding his function within their family. He goes, the servant goes to Abigail, not to Nabal. And that says a lot regarding Abigail's codependency. Uh, even the people, as a matter of fact, turn, look at chapter 25. Let me read verse 17 to you. Look at verse 17. It says there, Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. See, even the people who worked for Nabal knew how his family life was. And that he was a hot-headed, short-tempered husband and father. He slapped the handle in a hot second. <laughs> Last night I was telling my wife when she was asleep. <laughs> I was saying, God, because I, I, she, she, she was saying, didn't you pack? I said, I kept studying this sermon. I kept going, on. this sermon intrigues me. Stay with, this, this is a very intriguing sermon. Uh, I was saying, honey, I'm going to preach a little bit about us. Uh, but we stay together. Now, some people, stay with me here. Now, some people, they, they don't stay together. Like, they, they split up. Uh, but because of the Lord, we've stayed together. That we keep our dysfunctional stuff together. I mean, it's like, oh, stay with me, and I'll get to it in a little bit. Huh? Uh, like I'm saying, honey, oh, thank you. Uh, because if it wasn't for God, though, I, we'd, have, we'd, have, we'd have not made it. Talk about a hot-tempered individual. Bro, what's wrong? Let's tell him, get over here. Uh, that's the way it would have been. Thank God that I'm just, I'm not like that no more. But I still have some dysfunctional stuff I bring in. Because that's the way I grew up. See, the people knew who was the one who would make the necessary sacrifice to keep the family together. And it was Dear Abby. The servant doesn't go to Nabal. He knows how Nabal's gonna, what's going to happen. He goes to, to Abigail. He knows who to go to to keep that family uh, together. Nabal's going to blow it. He can't, he can't come up with no answers. See, classic codependents have a way of putting their own needs aside for the sake of other people. Yeah, they do. They have a way of doing that. Their own needs, they put them aside. See, the Bible doesn't tell us about Abigail's past, but we could easily surmise that Abigail probably came from a dysfunctional family during her childhood as well. It's easy to surmise that. She probably came from one dysfunctional family, codependent family, to another one. And a lot of us come from that type of a background. A lot of us. That's why this sermon is so very vital and important here today. It seems that Abigail was already used to, she was used to taking on much of the responsibility. And that's how codependents are. In other words, she was already used to taking on the responsibility. The servant knew who to go to. She's going to be, take on the responsibility of the entire family. She had already been used to, used to, I like that word, used to, Caring for her, for her parents or, or her brothers and sisters or both. Uh, that's what she was used to. Always caring for her parents. Always, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't, you know, always caring for, for the family. So when she somehow hooks it up with Nabal, she only continues the cycle. Today at the end of the summer, we're going to pray to break the cycle in families. See, that's probably one of the keys and the key things that unconsciously brought the couple together. 
That's how they probably got together. Uh, because she, she, you know, unconsciously, she, she was like, she hooked it up with a guy. I mean, really, when you would see them, you'd say, how did they ever get together? It was in the past, their background. Codependency. That's what brought them together. She was probably, you know, attracted to the needs she saw in Abel. Are you with me? Uh, that's what happens. Ladies, some of you ladies, you know, these guys, you're, you're attracted to the guy's needs. I stay amazed. I used to go to the county jail almost every day in L.A. County and other counties. That was my job. And man, I, so many ladies in that thing. And I say, oh man, these dudes are criminals. These guys are, are not, I've been in there. I know these type of dudes. And there they are all. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh. But see, Abigail was already trained in her dysfunction. And in her dysfunctional family, she was already trained to feel these needs. She was already trained to that. She just hooked onto it real easy. Now, that's funny. But it's true in most cases regarding the way dysfunctional people find each other. And they only serve to continue the cycle. I'll change him. I'll change her. God's going to use me in a mighty way. And we put it in the Christian perspective. Uh, yeah, I'm a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I came in like that. I said, see this woman? I'm going to change her. <laughs> about three, four months later, I find out she said the same thing about me. Uh, no, I'm changing. No, I'm, you change. Uh, you change. You change. I'm going to change you. Huh? No, 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 I'm the changer of this family. You change. I'm the changer, you change. No, 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 I'm the changer and you're changed. <laughs> Listen to the statement. Due to their ignorance and dysfunction, they do nothing to stop the cycle. That's a big statement. In other words, we're not trained in how to change people from dysfunction. We've got to learn how to do it. I'm going to give you a few things here today. Uh, but that's how you do it. If we, if we come in naive and, not even naive, we come in stupid, ignorant on how to change people, we're, go, we're going to be like, oh my God, I married a monster. And guess what? If you don't know how to deal with dysfunction, the monster's going to get bigger. It's a cycle that continues. Some of you singles, <laughs> Hallelujah. It's important to learn to spot the characteristics regarding dysfunction in a family. Then, really, try not to hook it up with a person of this background in order to break the cycle. Learn about dysfunction, those of you that are single. Learn about all this stuff and stay away from it as best you can. Ah, because if you don't, believe me, you're in for a, ride, a rude ride that you're going to think you're living in great America. The only thing is not going to be great. It's going to be terrible, America. But you're going to be in a... That's what's going to happen. See, when Abigail... Let's get back to the story. When Abigail met at Nabal, she no doubt thought that she could help him change. She felt... Listen to this. She felt that her expertise gained in her dysfunctional family in the past would serve well in fixing or rescuing poor Nabal. He says, man, I come from a dysfunctional family. I can fix this guy. Lie. But that's how you feel. Man, I'm trained for this nut. I can handle him. I'll have money. 
That's all I care about. I didn't have money back here. Thank God I'm, I'm a shapely girl and, and, and I know how to kiss and I can take her biz. And man, yeah, I'll use that to, you know, I'll be okay. Ah, but I, I'm not going to be poor like I was before. See, Abigail's response to the servant's statement is a classic codependent statement. Look at chapter 25, verses 18 and 19. We're covering chapter 25. Her response to the servant is a classic codependent statement. Verses 18 and 19. Do you have it? Look at that. It says, Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sias of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, two tortillas, 200 tortillas of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead. I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. You want to spot a dysfunctional wife or dysfunctional husband? Uh, they go at things alone. They don't tell you. They don't say nothing. Uh, you mean you bought that dressing? Well, I knew you wouldn't buy it for me. Where do these golf clubs come from? You went smooching around. You found them. I hid them. Oh, yeah, buddy. See, Abigail, the Bible says she lost no time. She classically springs into action. That's what codependents do. Ta-da! Codependent! Here we are. Uh, we're going to fix the problem. Give me the problem. She springs right into action. Right away, she sees herself as, listen to this, needed. They need me. I need needs. Superwoman, here I come. Uh, see, she's able to, tr she wants to fix or to rescue the situation that her proud husband had gotten them into. Uh, she would be able to cable Nabal. She, in other words, she's going to pull him out. She would be able to cable Nabal. In other words, huh, her husband got him into the problem, not her. It wasn't her fault. Understand this, people, understand this well. Codependents are great in crisis. Ta-da! Uh, to the rescue. They're great in crisis. They, they, they come to life. Ooh, there's a problem. Where's the problem at? Where's, oh, I'm needed. I am. Ooh. Uh, Joni come lately. Abigail was probably used to bail enable out of a number of dumb situations. Oh. And a number of times. This time, she doesn't even blink at facing even a whole army. Listen to me. She's going to face 400 men. She doesn't even blink at it. It's okay. I can do it. Where's the bulldozer at? I'm going to stop it. She doesn't even blink. Right away. Like the dear Abby of, of our day, this original or OG dear Abby, was also used to fixing other people's problems. She was used to it. That's another word for codependence. They're used to it. They're used to it. She was used to fixing other people's problems. Just like the dear Abby of our day. But codependents, much too often, take on too much of the responsibility. Too much. Instead of letting the responsible party shoulder the weight, 
They take it on themselves. It wasn't her problem. It was her husband's problem. Let him fix Let him take care of it. Don't throw out the trash for him. It's his problem. But it smells in here. It's his problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Put it in his closet. Oh, some of you are going to do that. I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding. Uh, listen to this. But what this only serves to do is to make the problem gradually worse. When she takes on the, her husband's problems. It only makes the problem gradually worse. Because the actual responsible party, which was Nabal in this instance, will not be able to face the situation himself. The cycle not only continues, but it gets worse. Stay with me here. Not only continues, but it gets, the, 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 the beast is bigger. But codependents, they don't realize this. Because they get a big sense of accomplishment and self-worth that they made the situation better and somehow held the dysfunctional family together. I did it. They get a big sense of accomplishment. Look what I, look what I did. If it wasn't for me. Uh, ay, ay, ay. While in actuality, they only make matters worse. Because the main problem, Nabal's pride and hot temper is not dealt with. That's the reason why it's important to take on the attitude. It doesn't matter who does the job. As long as the job gets done. Uh, no, no, no. But I got to do it. Without me, this church will sink. Well, I'm going to South Africa for a week. When I get back, I hope it's not in the bay. Uh, where's the church at? Well, it's over there. It's by the San Mateo Bridge. No. No, that's terrible. Uh, you guys take on the problems. This is your church. Uh, my God, what have I said before? You don't run the church. I mean, I got it. We, we, well, let's go on. Let's go on. Another symptom that Abigail also exemplified in that codependency, okay, is codependence. They learn to face life. Listen to this alone. They do. That's how. That's a, a symptom of a codependent. They face things alone. Verse nineteen shows us that. See, dear Abby didn't even tell her husband. What she was going to do. Why? Because she felt she knew what was best for the family. Nabal wasn't even considered. How come you did that? Well, it's because you wouldn't have done it. And that's, well, we needed that. Why did you buy that? We didn't have the money. Well, we needed it. And I know if I would have consulted you, you would have never done it. So eat your mush and hush. They don't, they, don't, they don't talk to other people. Their own husbands, their own wives, their children. They don't consider nobody. The, the pastors, the, they, they, they take it upon themselves. They face problems alone. Uh, see, somehow, somehow in this family, somehow Nabal had probably already forfeited, he'd forfeited his right to lead. That's what had happened. Uh, because of the stuff that he had done. Crazy things. The servants and the wife knew better than to try and reason with nutty Nabal. Oh, I can't mess with this guy. He's, he's, he's nutty. So Abigail goes out to face a heavy, heavy situation alone. Taking on a whole army. If that isn't stuck on stupid, what is? That is crazy. That is, that is. Come on, David. Ah, oh, man. She goes head on, having to deal with David and his 400 men 
who are coming to kill her and her entire family. If that's not a biggie, I don't know what is. They're coming to kill her. They're coming to kill her family. But by now, Abigail was probably used to not having her husband to help her and to help her out and to back her up. She was used to facing family matters alone. Why my husband don't help me? He said, no help. Like we say in Spanish, chico bigotón. Uh, my dad used to say that all the time. What that means is, look at that. Big old mustache and head, don't take care of business. Uh, I like that, that term in Spanish. Chico bigotón. He's got a big old mustache and uh, he, ain't no he, he ain't no good for nothing. Uh, she was used to facing matters alone. Sadly, my friend, for the codependent, when he or she is in need of a good hug or a good word of backing, they already know they're not going to get it. So they go on and head on by themselves and they try and solve the problem by themselves. And that's many times when codependents need a, a good hug. A good, you know, honey, I'm with you. That's all they need. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, you, you, I'm, I'm glad it's for you, man. If it wasn't for you, we'd... they need a hug sometimes. But, but they don't get nothing. Then again, codependents, go look for a hug. Go, go have your husband. It better be your husband's hugging you. Ah. Husband, you better be hugging. Because you ain't hugging. Ay, ay, ay. I'm not even going to get in that one. That's another sermon. <laughs> ah. See, the codependent knows that the only way the family can stay together is through them. Or no, they don't know. They feel. They think. They feel. The only way the family can stay together is because of me. Uh, not my husband, not my wife, not my children. It's not the pastor of the church. And God, even God ain't got nothing to do with it. It's me. Look at verses 23 and 24 and 25. Chapter 25. The story continues. Do you have it? Verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the... Oh, God. Let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is Fool. And folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. This is another classic codependent move. See, codependents feel, feel. They have to take the blame themselves. That they had to take the total responsibility for the wrong. Don't do that, ladies and gentlemen, men too. Sometimes men are the codependents. Don't take it upon yourself. Years ago, I was having lunch with Pastor Macklin and his bishop, who started the church prayer guard that Pastor Ed uses now on Thursdays. Great man, Bishop Mathis, great guy. And we we're sitting there and eating lunch, Chinese restaurant, and. There was a number of us, but I happened to be sitting next to him. All of a sudden, he looks at me, turns around. I've told you this quote before. But Bishop Mathis looks at me and says, young man, real cool. And I can spot cool. I'm not going to say it takes one to know one, but I can spot cool. Uh, he was an older individual. and he goes, Young man. And I'd heard a lot about this guy. Growing up in Stockton, moved to San Jose, Prairie Garden. It was the most kickingest church, happiness church in the Bay Area at his time. And he goes, young man. You don't got to die for the church. Jesus already did. 
That's where I get my saying, keep it on cruise control. I got it from him. I just made it up right there, but when he told me that, he said, you got to be up. Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve. Just keep it in cruise control, Harold. Well, and the other people too, you know. I just use that name sometimes, you know. Manual. Ah, you're laughing at him, laughing at each other. <laughs> uh, just keep it in cruise control. But they, they take on the blame. That's what the lady says. Uh, that's what she says. But they're willing to take the blame and the shame. Even when they had nothing to do with it. That's what she says. It's my fault, David, because I wasn't there. <laughs> For the sake of the family, they will be the scapegoat. As long as the family survives and as long as the family gets through it. Here in 1 Samuel 25, Abigail was willing to take on the full responsibility uh, of what Nabal had done. She told David, let the blame be on me alone. She was alone again. She said it was her fault because she wasn't there when the incident happened. Listen to this. That's crazy. She's guilty by disassociation. What a term. Guilty by disassociation because she wasn't there. That would be like being guilty because for all of the world's wrongs because you weren't there. Ah, because you weren't there, you could have prevented it. That's like saying, man, I wish I'd have been at the cross. Maybe I could have prevented Jesus from getting killed and murdered. Come on, that's pretty deep right there. But that's what codependence will feel like. Man, if I'd have been there, I'd have taken the, I'd have taken the bullet for Jesus. The whole bullet, huh? the whole blame. I'm telling you people, codependents have problems. They got deep-rooted problems. See, codependents have a way of blaming themselves for everything that goes wrong in their family. My mom and dad argue because of me. My mom and dad got divorced because of me. My mom and dad don't get along because of me. My mom and dad because of me. Break that thing. It's a lie. It's their fault. Don't take it upon yourself. Man, if your mom and dad are arguing, pray for them and love them. But don't take it on yourself. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Let's break that thing here today. You go out and change yourself and then change the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't in my notes. That's the dysfunctional pastor in me. Uh, see, a codependent wife will think that her yelling, hot-headed husband can change if she takes the appropriate actions. Wrong. It's his problem. And vice versa. Now, I've never, I've never used that term vice versa as much as right here. And vice versa. A codependent wife, okay, will think it's, she's going to think that she can change her husband if she takes the appropriate actions. Wrong. And vice versa means vice, the vice is versa. The husbands don't think like that either. If your wife is like that, hey, you pray for her. You're trying to help her. But you can't take on the problems. By codependence taking on most of the scapegoat responsibilities, then the other family members who need a change by facing up to their problems, 
okay, and their responsibilities and their bad traits, they never face up to them because the codependent thinks it's his or her fault. Not so and not true. In other words, let the, let the, let the person that's got the problem, let them face the, the problem. Don't face it for them. Don't get in the way. Let them face it. It's his problem. It's her problem. It's not yours. What codependents fail to realize is that instead of improving the family and sparing the family and hoping the family, uh, which they think they're doing, they're only making matters worse. That's what's happening. Codependents can be some very powerful people. Very powerful individuals. They can have this certain, you know, persistence about them. Abigail stopped a whole powerful army that no other army of its day could do. But dear Abby did it. Listen to what she, she stopped the whole army. No, no other, no Philistine army. Nobody else could stop that army. But Abigail did. Codependents tend to be very powerful. Uh, you ever seen mothers like that? How about grandmothers? You ever seen grandmothers and, or grandfathers who have all the kids, the grandkids? I'm not knocking this. Sometimes that has to happen okay, but, but be very careful. You spoil them. Hey, give the kids to the parents by and large. Pray about it. Some of you, I know that. I know who I'm looking at. I know who I'm dealing with. But the best thing would do, give them to the parents. Shoot them back to the parents. That's not your responsibility. Especially grandparents, man, trying to raise grandkids. The kid, you already raised kids. You can't run as fast anymore. The body talks, Madonna. Let me hear your body talk. <sighs> Man. The pen is mightier than the sword. Dear Abby, she's writer. Uh, but put on your swords, David said. But she stopped the whole army full of swords. When Abigail got back home, she was met by a drunken husband. That's what the Bible says. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Nabal ended up dying due to alcoholism. If you read the account there. He dies because he was an alcoholic. Living in an, in an alcoholic household can be very, very devastating. That's what she was living in. Usually there's a lot of, of, of fear and intimidation within the house of an alcoholic. Is it or not? A lot of fear and intimidation. Hey, give me my bottle. Give me my, give me my slippers. Change the channel. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of fear and intimidation within that kind of a household. That's why, man, one, one thing about me and my family, I haven't been like that. And I could have. That's why, you know, I was telling my wife yesterday, she was asleep. I said, honey, we got some problems here, but, but, but the one, a few good things is, of course, we've got God and I've let him tender me. Uh, but I, I, and I don't rule this church like that either because Pastor Sonny taught me the same way. I don't rule by, you know, like some of the ministers are supposed to be here by 815. They weren't here by 815 today, Lenny. Ah. <laughs> uh, and I, I could, I could, like, I could be a good, I could put a hit out in him. That's the way the gangs do it. They put hits out because he got out of line. Uh, stick him quick. Uh, no. See, the family lives with a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of a parent uh, or syndrome. There's not too much certainty or security within that house. You get out of line, 
You got sat down. You got dishes. You got this. You got. That's why sometimes in the home we have to have discipline. But afterwards, a while, come on. Uh, you, we have to have grace and love in the home too. Uh, because you get out of line boom, in the church too. Because a lot of times victory outreaches, the home kind of a discipline filters off into the church. You weren't here. You didn't make it. I don't rule like that. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't act like that. I don't do that. I wasn't taught like Pastor Sonny. Hey, if you want to get out of lines of trouble, eventually, though, it'll, I will sit you down. <laughs> you know, I thought the brother was, eh, it, you know, it had to happen. But you'll see it coming uh, if it keeps on continually. See, promises are made to be broken in dysfunctional families. But once Nabal dies, listen to me as I get close to closing, once Nabal dies, the problem of dysfunction still was there with poor old dear Abby. Because instead of recognizing the dysfunction and the dysfunctional systems and avoiding them like the plague, she jumps right into another dysfunctional situation with David. We've studied the life of David. David was, David was terrible at family life. The worst individual for family. Ah. But she says in verse 41, look at verse 41. As I close. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, here is your maidservant ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. <laughs> uh, the cycle continues. She says that in verse 41 that she would count it an honor, a privilege to be part of David's household. She goes from the frying pan to the fire. And she didn't even know it. Abigail was just used to serving. Used to, used to, used to. She was used to being the doormat, used to being the scapegoat. The pushed around individual. Man, I've seen it happen before in ministry and in life. I see some lady, man, she hooks it up with the wrong guy and something happens. Maybe the guy dies, something happens. He backs out, he leaves, whatever. You know, now the lady's free. She's got a great opportunities. They're telling her, don't be careful, be careful. And she, she starts going around. Guess who so and so seen? Nabal. She's with, no, she, now, she, now she's with David. Oh, but I know that I can change things. Where's Absalom? Come here, my son. Uh, Solomon, come here. Tamar, I can take care of you. No, you can't. You take too much upon you. But that's what happens here. Uh, unless codependents learn to spot dysfunctional systems and then avoid them, most codependents are people that are cursed to continue these very curses. They're going to continue the curse. Ah, but such was not the case here. Okay. She, she, she continued the story. Look at 1 Samuel 30 verse 5, then I close. 1 Samuel 30 verse 5. Chapter 30 verse 5. David's two wives had been captured Ahinam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal. David was greatly distressed because the men were taking, talking of stoning him. Abigail was one of the two wives that David took, takes off and leaves defenseless. Listen to me as I close. He takes off and he leaves her defenseless. And you, you know the story there in Ziklag. Uh, he just goes and he, he's got to go out and, and, and do what he's got to do. No. A husband's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to raise the kids. He's got to take care of business in the household. Uh, you, you, those husbands that are always out doing this, that, and the other. Hey, hey, you pull them in. You tell them, take out the papers and the trash. Uh, 
Take care of business here. Ah, come on, this is your family. You made these kids. You rabbit, you. See, what this is telling us, if once again you read between the lines, is that once again Abigail is not putting her feet down and making her new husband take on his responsibilities. You got to take on your responsibilities. I thank God for my wife. She goes, hey, you got to be careful. You've been doing too much. Get over there. Get out. You know, get over here. Uh, my wife's like that. Thank God for that. But Abigail is still continuing the dysfunctional cycle. Women, you do more injustice when you allow your family to get away with things that we as men and children need to be responsible for. We got to take on our responsibilities. Ugh. Take you know, what shall a profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his household? Household number one is, is, is here. Ah, when they're out doing all kinds of stuff. That's what happened. David went off and he left her defenseless. He didn't care. Men, that's why this is an important sermon to men too. Take care of your, 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 the, you know, your household stuff first. Your responsibilities, be responsible. And do it together. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head is bowed and every eye closed. We don't need the we don't need the we don't need the music. All I want to do is pray for anybody here that you want us to break that curse in your house. I'm not going to have nobody pray with me. I'm going to pray this prayer by myself for you. It's every head is bowed and every eye is closed.